As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome into the Forum Club Playoff Edition. Lakers and Suns are tied 1-1. I am Bill Orem, joined as always by Jovan Buha and Anthony Slater. Guys, this is kind of the long-anticipated moment for the Lakers. The postseason is here. The idea that they could just hit the switch and put kind of some of their regular season maladies behind them in the playoffs is being tested. But I think we can all agree they're in pretty darn good shape, all things considered. A Suns team that has a, you know a, a significantly... Um, Limited Chris Paul, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis both coming off of pretty monster game twos. Um, where are you guys at on this series and with this Lakers team right now? I think it shifted a lot last night um, because, I mean, we were talking more about LeBron's ankle coming into game two than Paul's shoulder. Like, it was known that it was a problem, but he wasn't listed on the injury report. He had played, uh, you know, down the stretch of game one. He, he wasn't really needed that much, so... I didn't think it was as limiting as it clearly was, but to watch how he played last night, um, he was a hindrance to them when he was on the floor. And then obviously when he's off the floor, he's not on the floor. Um, Campaign was, you know, fine. I mean, I think it's been a little bit like he had some nice moments. I think campaign shot six of 15. He has some late turnovers. I mean, he's clearly not like the answer to, to slay the Lakers down the stretch. Phoenix needs Chris Paul to be, Chris Paul and I just don't know if we'll see I mean it's a weird injury yeah I I think I mean this injury swings the the series um I will say I've I've been impressed with Phoenix uh, you know the fact that they almost went up 2-0 despite Chris Paul being physically compromised you know and essentially uh three of the four halves six of the eight quarters um you know they they had a I mean Bill and I were texting during the fourth quarter. Like we were like, are they about to go down? Oh, two um, and, and pull a Clippers uh, had to work that one in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Lakers are in the, the, the driver's seat right now where, um, you know, the, the, the series is shifting back to LA. They, they have the momentum now. Um, I do think not having Chris Paul, like I, I just don't think Phoenix has enough offense right now. Right. Like it, we saw, I, I thought the Lakers were much better in their, their screen, coverages with Devin Booker. That was something that Frank Vogel highlighted after the game with uh, Andre Drummond and Marcus Gasol. I thought going to Gasol 
even though Phoenix really hunted him and deliberately tried to play him off the floor, um, I thought he had some good defensive sequences and I thought provided, you know, hit a three, provided really good spacing offensively. And you just saw, I thought Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder were unlocked with Marcus Gasol on the floor and that additional spacing. So um, I think Frank deserves credit for some of the game two adjustments. I think LeBron and AD deserve credit for, their game two bounce back performances. And uh, I think that the Lakers are, are looking like they're going to win this series in probably five or six games. Five. Yeah, I think it's five, five games. I, you're all the way on five now. I can see five. I, I, think it's, I think it's six. I think the Suns have enough firepower. I think Aiton has been so good in this series. I don't know if he's going to do that every game, but I think the combo of, of he and Devin Booker is going to get the Suns another win here, even if even if CP is not on the floor. But I'll t- I mean, the Lakers are going to win this series because – even with all the issues the Lakers have had this year and all the things they're trying to figure out on the fly, if the Lakers cannot beat this Suns team without a fully healthy Chris Paul, then their underlying issues are even greater than we've realized because they they are built to be able to move move on relatively easily here. Um, that doesn't mean the Lakers are without trouble, uh, without problems. That doesn't mean that they are um, the favorite in the West, although with the Clippers, and I'm sure we're going to just allude to this throughout this entire conversation, but with the Clippers suddenly looking dead in the water against the Mavs, um, the West is even more wide open than ever. Uh, The Lakers had the easiest path that they could have had, I thought, coming into this series, and that assumed a a potential Clippers matchup down the road. Um, That does not seem likely right now. I mean, 0-2 is not insurmountable. We've seen it, but the Clippers don't look like a team that is capable of coming back at this moment. but I, I think the Lakers are going to move on. And then it becomes a question of Portland, Denver. But let's dive well, into some of the more. Well, I just uh, let's. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you, Phoenix are, isn't are dead. Not, you, uh, Phoenix, they're not dead. They're not winning. But Slater, they're not winning well, this series let, without, without well, Chris Paul. Well, let's let's talk about this Chris Paul injury for a second, because I've had a few like, you know, you know, those like random like online doctors that love to be like, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. And like this is, um, you know, it, it stinger. You know, He didn't. Gra- it's not like he separated his shoulder. Right. I mean, usually when you hear like shoulder contusion, it's like something with the shoulder. He grabbed at his trap and it was when his like you know, head was, was kind of tilted. It was a weird injury. I don't know if you guys have seen the slow-mo view. Um, it seems to be some kind of nerve thing stinger. He's like, he was like, well, and then, and then you talk and, and yeah. then his hand isn't working. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and nerve, then he's like nerve, dribbling, so nervous. he's yeah. dribbling and, it, and he's losing the ball and you can tell he's like, what the hell? Like, I, you know, I'm Chris Paul. Why am I losing my dribble right now? So it's something that's like, he has a kind of a weakened right arm, which obviously is just like killer for a guy who loves mid range. And, 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 you know, everything he's doing they they try to let him go he was trying to throw cross-court pass last night and he was just like floating them basically right into anthony davis's hands so yes if that chris paul is the chris paul who remains the rest of the series phoenix doesn't have a shot but i mean you you read these people that say sometimes this stuff goes away you know maybe just a few more days and like the the right arm loosens up and chris paul's back like i don't think this is is necessarily some type of long term thing um i could see phoenix if, if if Chris Paul st- like he's not responding to treatment in the next twenty four hours, I could see them trying to sit him game three, and then I believe you have two days off right before yeah. between game three and four. Yeah. You give him like a five day break, and it, and if he's feeling back to himself by Sunday, assuming they're down two one, I mean you know they could full throttle really go for that Sunday one, and I you know I could see it being two two going back to Phoenix if, if Chris Paul re arrives in this series because Phoenix is very good when they're all together. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And I, I guess that's a fair, a fair point. I've looked at this mostly as game two was kind of the, the chance for Chris Paul to prove that he was going to be able to get right in this, in this series, because it is, you know, I mean, it is, you know, basically it's not a long, you know, he has basically until Sunday. I think, I think that's basically it. If he's not hundred percent by Sunday, then, then the Suns are dead to me. Um, but that, but again, like I said, I mean, I do think this, I think the Suns are capable of, of, of winning a game without Chris Paul. And more to the point, I think the Lakers are capable of losing a game to the Suns without Chris Paul because, you know, they have to figure things out on a nightly basis. What's going to work against DeAndre Ayton? Um, what, you know, what adjustments has Monty Williams made? Because I'm going to, I'm going to guarantee you that Monty Williams is going to come with, you know, different, different schemes for, you know, Marc Gasol and, and ways to, um, try to keep, somehow try to keep uh, Andre Drummond off the glass who has Andre Drummond's been tremendous on the offensive boards through the first two games and especially in game two. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of strategy going on here. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if the Lakers can just run out the same rotation that we saw in game two and expect it to be as successful um, as it was. But you know, what I wrote about last night off last night's game was it was, it was interesting because we went into game two really focused on adjustments and rotations and, and the bit in the big man rotation and, and um, what Frank was going to do adjustment wise. And that game, as it often did last year in the playoffs and as it will for as long as the Lakers are playing really came down to how good can LeBron and Anthony Davis be. And those two guys, as we saw throughout the, the, the finals run last year, just made, made absolutely necessary critical shots. And Slater, I know you went through this with the Warriors you know, all these other things that are happening kind of beneath the top guys absolutely matter. But at the end of the game, you know, it really comes down to how good your stars can be. And in terms of shot making, LeBron and AD were absolutely on point in the fourth quarter, particularly Anthony Davis had 14 of his 34 in the fourth quarter. A lot of that was from the line, but they each had big threes. What were your guys' thoughts on kind of how those two dudes executed down the stretch? And does that say anything about how we view the Lakers as champions or, or as champion contenders, or is it just kind of what we already knew that those guys are really, really good and they got just enough support last night to win game two? It was sort of what we already knew, but we hadn't seen it in a while. You know, I, I think especially for LeBron, since he returned from, I guess, the, the second return from the ankle injury, he's just not looked like himself. And, and he had not dunked in two and a half games. You know, in, in the opening minutes, he, he gets a couple dunks, including that lob that his head was almost at the rim, way, which we, I, we hadn't really seen him get that high this, you know, since the beginning of the season. So um, just those two guys taking over was sort of what we expect, but we didn't see that in game one. I also thought defensively, both guys were more active and especially LeBron, like he was particularly bad in game one and just, losing you know Mikhail Bridges on on back cuts along the baseline and he blew a ton of assignments in in game one and I thought he was much sharper in game two I will say though the the one thing I still don't love um uh, about LeBron and AD right now is I feel like they're still too jump shot heavy and and even down the stretch of game two it's like um you know, like Anthony Davis made a couple threes last night, but we've had plenty of games this season where he doesn't make his threes and he goes 0 for 4. And if Anthony Davis misses that three, are the Lakers down 0-2? And I know you can kind of play that game with, you know, almost any shot, but I don't think you betting on Anthony Davis all of a sudden being like a 50% three-point shooter is something that, you know, is going to be sustainable. So um, I think it was it was progress. They won the game. They, they both looked better physically on, on both ends. But... Moving forward to not you know win to win this series and to 
I think they'll be heavily favored against Denver or Portland in the next round. But then to win that conference finals against whoever comes out, Utah, Clippers, D- Dallas, um, like th- they're going to have to be much sharper and, and really be attacked. I was going to say, you just, you just completely left I, I, the series leading I, I, Memphis Grizzlies I, 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 for dead. I can't pick them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, and then going to the, like the finals potentially, like those guys need to be getting to the rim. And that, and that, that was kind of tied into to my story that, that I wrote on, on Dennis Schroeder and Andre Drummond that, those guys had 12 of the Lakers' 21 baskets in the paint. And I thought that it was a nice balance to the offense of Dennis going downhill. Like there's one clip where LeBron reverses it to the weak side. Dennis just catches and goes and he blows by Jay Crowder for lip. And it's like, that's what Dennis needs to be doing on a nightly basis of on the weak side, you catch it and go. No dribbling, dancing, you know, step back shot. Like you need to go to the rim. And I think, we, we saw some of the holes in the Suns defense last night. Andre Drummond also had a really good game. So um, I think, but my one thing with LeBron AD is I, I want to see them inside more. I think the, the jump shooting, AD is not shooting the way he did last postseason. And if they're relying on that, um, I don't think that that's a winning formula long-term. Yeah, I think with Davis, it's like a, it's a mental thing. Like just be assertive, be that guy every game. You know, how many, if he's just plays with that type of force, he's going to get, 14 free throws at least per game, right? I mean, like, there's just, you know, Jay Crowder's going to get in foul trouble. And by the way, Jay Crowder getting in foul trouble completely changes the game for Phoenix because you see Dario Saric last night. I mean, that was a horrendous performance. Like, he, he looked I mean, like he didn't want Jay to Crowder had two fouls in the first 58 seconds of the game, and he got kicked in the nuts. I mean, it's probably the worst <laughs> first minute of a game in playoff history. Yes, and then he was replaced by a guy who uh, looked afraid to pass the ball, didn't want it in his hands. I mean, Sarge made a few turnovers, and, and it's just clearly the front court rotation be- beyond uh, Crowder Ayton is a problem for Phoenix. And if Davis, you know, if Davis plays that way right off the tip, like I can see Crowder getting two more, you know, fouls. Maybe not in the first 58 seconds plus a nut kick, but, you know, maybe the first four minutes. Um, for LeBron, though, to me, it still seems like a physical thing. I mean, we know he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't want to be assertive in the past. I just still don't know uh, with him uh, on that. Like he just doesn't look. That burst, that that explosion that can get by a defender, quicker wing defenders like Bridges, um, it just still doesn't necessarily seem there. Now he's he, he still is can will himself into pretty good games, and if the jumper's there, like that fading corner three was awesome. That was insane. That was a, that was a crazy shot. Um, but yeah, I mean, the it's like you know, part of me is like I just the Lakers still, particularly offensively, don't look like it to me. But at the same time, I mean, look around the West. I mean. Are we about to say like Dallas is their biggest competitor right now? I, I oh, don't, geez. I don't know. I mean, like there's just there's, with the way Luca's playing, they might be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, the best team in the NBA right now it seems to be Brooklyn Nets. I mean, yeah. it's very mm-hmm. early in the playoffs, and they're playing not a good opponent in the first round, but they they look frisky. Blake Griffin looks frisky right now, but that's another conversation. D- D- Dunking on people. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you guys? Well, think so of- here. Go ahead, Bill. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't want us to, to, to transition to the same thing. But I think there is a. I think there is a pretty significant uh, subject to get to because um, uh, we've we've seen two pretty significant Lakers role players in the first two games. Both put up goose eggs. In game one, it was Kyle Kuzma, and then um, I think more just interestingly in game two, Contavious Caldwell Pope goes. Uh, I think zero for four, and he goes scoreless, but is simultaneously a game best plus 19 um, and was on the floor, you know, through all the critical possessions was guarding Devin Booker 
did Contavious Caldwell Pope have a good game in game two? Got yelled at by LeBron late for not shooting. Incredible moment, by the way, and all over their Instagram, you know, LeBron is LeBron is in KCP's face saying, I want you to shoot because I thought KCP, and obviously LeBron did too, was way too passive, um, passed up a lot of open threes. Um, and there was even a moment in the first half that I don't think made the broadcast, but the Lakers were at the foul line and KCP came back over to the Lakers bench on the other end of the floor. And AD basically did the same thing where he kind of put his hands on KCP's head and was getting right in his, right, right in his ear, you know, and kind of pounding something into his head, presumably the same message. So KCP, who was one of their most important floor spacers, not shooting the ball, but also providing critical defense on Devin Booker. So again, I asked the question, was he good in game two? He's like a microcosm of like their team right now with like, Great defensively, good plus minus winning games, and he's kind of in his head offensively. Um, they can win this way. They, you know, they they kind of won that way in the bubble last year, right? They were just this like power team that that had kind of bucked the trend of just trying to be like you know spread the floor with as many three point shooters as possible. But the reality of Bill, you kind of alluded to in the bubble. What did KCP shoot in the playoffs last season? Like forty something percent from three. Four, he was north of forty, whatever it was, and he averaged. I, I know Yovan looked this up last night. He and Kuz both averaged eleven points a game. Yeah, and da- and Davis, well, like Davis's jumper was like scorching for basically four straight rounds, like unsustainably probably. So um, their offense isn't where it was right now. Now can I get there? Sure. I mean, we could be talking next week, and KCP will rattle off you know three straight really good three point shooting nights. But as good as I-, I would say, yeah. I mean, generally he he obviously contributed to winning last night, and he he Plus continues 19. to defensively. But like they. Like his his funk that he's in is still something that needs to be solved offensively. I mean, they're they're shooting twenty nine twenty eight point eight percent to to be exact on on threes right now in the playoffs, and it's been two games, but it feels like this isn't this isn't unsustainable. Like, I mean, they'll shoot better, but I, you don't feel great about them getting up to like thirty six percent, right? Like, you know, th- this is kind of an issue, and I, I think. Honestly, like that, that that's the, the one thing that's giving me pause right now is like if Chris Paul were healthy, I, I think Phoenix is up 2-0. Like, you know, I I I know we could play that again, we could always play the if game or or this or that, but like I felt like Phoenix is like the, the biggest issue last night was just that Phoenix couldn't score. And, and I you you have to give the Lakers you know uh, defense credit, but it was basically like just shut down Booker and Ayton and no one else is going to do anything. Like their guys are missing shots as well. But but I think those guys are going to kind of bounce back, uh, and then like you said, camp, I think campaign has been awful uh, th- through the first two games, and I, I know he hit a couple threes last night, but like he, he's been ta- he's been chucking, and and I, he's I think been taking some bad chucking. shots. Um, so he I, was I th- fun in the fourth, though. He was very fun in he the. He had nice moments, like like I. I, I he generally gave them what they needed last night, which was a boost of like life because I could imagine that entire team was like, holy shit, Chris Paul is like has one arm out here. And he came in, he had some threes yelling at the crowd, like like he juiced the building. But then, yeah, I mean, you look, you're like, oh, six of 15, Ooh, a few turnovers. You're like, eh. you know, maybe maybe it wasn't as, as uh, awesome of a performance as we thought. But yeah, um, I mean, you're mentioning it with the offense. Uh, who do you guys feel bet like if lining up wide open three right now in the Lakers? Who do you want taking it? Schroeder, Mark, I guess. Marcus All, <laughs> Marcus All. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, he's they been just, at 40, they, 40 plus percent for like eight weeks now or something. They don't have like a knockdown guy. No, um, which they didn't they, last they, year. I mean, they, they, they have they have Ben Mclemore, but that's then you have to put that's ben, actually ben true. McLemore. I might feel best. The, about the, him. The, 
the downside to that is that you have to put Ben McLemore in the game to make it to have that happen. <laughs> so, and, and you know, as it almost when you do something like that, when you, when you have a team of, of three point shooters like that, you can almost not feel comfortable going into any game that you're for sure going to win because you can just be ice cold. Um, and you know, they're going to face, you know, that's the opposite of what Dallas spaces the floor like crazy. Um, and, and if, if that is like the matchup down the line, that will be kind of a curious classroom style. Yeah. I feel like it's supposed to be KCP, right? Like it's supposed to be, he's supposed to be the three and D guy. He did it last. That's his job, but that's his job. It's, I I don't know. I I mean, and that, that's been, you know, I, and I, I think, now kind of seeing this matchup through two games, I do think it would have been fascinating to see a healthy Chris Paul because I, I think, you know, I, I, at this point, I think two of the Lakers' biggest weaknesses are, or arguably the two biggest, are transition defense, which they were horrible in last season. They, they were better in this season. But still, when a team can get them going back in transition, they can really attack them. And then the three-point shooting. And, and Phoenix clearly excels in, in both of those areas. I know Chris Paul teams don't like to play fast, but when they do play fast, they tend to be pretty good. Um, and, you know, they're a low turnover team. So, I mean, it, it, it's tougher if, if you're Phoenix because you're looking at this. And I, I feel like they had a really good chance to win this series uh, had Chris Paul not gotten injured. But that at this point is kind of the story of Chris Paul's career. Yeah, I can seeing him over there fuming on the bench with the mask on yesterday kind of reminded me of. Um, watching him sit over there during Game Six and Game Seven, Rockets Warriors a couple seasons ago, and I mean that's not even going back into his Clippers history uh, and beyond. So yeah, it is the story of his career. What do you guys think about Drummond? Um, you know, I know Jovan, you wrote about it, but I mean, had a good game, no doubt. I thought it was his most impactful game as a Laker, and I, I asked Frank Vogel about that after the game, and, and he agreed. And you know, I, I know the, the stakes probably add to that, but. Drummond is at his best when he doesn't have to think. He he just, you know, he needs to be in positions where you're basically spoon-feeding him the ball and he just goes up. And, and even in those cases, sometimes he'll, he'll blow a layup or something and then tip it in. Um, but as we've seen, he, he is not a good post player. You do not want him catching the ball, going one-on-one, facing up, uh, trying to make a dribble spin move. Like, he can't really do those things. But I, I thought, um, you know, th- there were several sequences where he, he just kind of flashed cut into space because... Uh, you know, Phoenix was sort of loading up on LeBron and AD, and there's one play where just he's on, he's in the dunker spot, flashes middle, catches a pass, and, and lays it in wide open. And it's like those are the plays you need from Andre Drummond. Um, I thought from a physical standpoint, he matched DeAndre Ayton. He was pushing him back. I know Ayton had that nice uh, kind of spin dunk on him, um, kind of knocked him over and then dunked on him. But uh, I, I thought like uh, Andre Drummond did everything you could ask of Andre Drummond. And is he perfect? No. Is the spacing better when he's off the floor? Yes. And, and is this going to be the Andre Drummond we see the rest of the playoffs? No, but he did his job. He helped the Lakers win a game. And um, I do think that like there clearly is a, some type of role for him. I still think the Lakers need to figure out the optimal role, but he has value. And, and I think he's been pretty solid, honestly, in the first two games. Um, I do think this is a more Drummond-friendly matchup versus playing like a Luka or, or a Nets team or something like that, maybe down the road. Uh, but I, I think he's been solid, and, and that's all you can really ask for him. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think he, I mean, he was not a net negative. I mean, I, you know, I think that Warriors game, you were sitting there just kind of pulling your hair out, feeling like every minute he was on the floor, the Lakers were, you know, at risk of losing the game. And I thought, you know, he 
did his job and really kind of justified his presence on uh and really and really i thought justified frank vogel's trust and commitment to him you know i mean there was a ton of effort on the offensive glass i mean there was one that one possession where he had where he had he tipped it up three times i think and finally and finally got it to go um and you see that from time to time but he's not a guy who was the most vertically gifted player he's not the springiest dude i mean sometimes you'll see javel mcgee do that because he you know has just more lift and spring than, than whoever's there with him but i thought that was just a great um you know microcosm of the effort that andre drummond put in to that game and listen i think drummond is more playable if you're playing guys who spread the floor behind him so when he comes off the floor last night we saw in the first quarter we saw mark gasol and markeith morris come in and markeith didn't have Maybe the impact that Frank Vogel was looking for, but I mean, Mark sure did. And I think that that is, there, there's balance there. There is, um, you know, there's kind of a yin and a yang as opposed to going Drummond and Montrez Harrell and just constantly loading up the paint. Um, so I think, you know, I think that that was an encouraging sign from the way, you know, the Lakers are, you know, are, look, are looking at things. No question. Schroeder had juice. Very good. Night, which changes Very it. Very good. Um, yeah, I mean... They, you know what's crazy? And Jovan and I were talking about this last night. It's in his story today. But four players scored what, Jovan? 96, 96 of the Lakers yeah. of how many? 113 or 109. I mean, that's just insane that you had four guys who combined for, you know, what, 90% of 90 of your, of your of your points. And, you know, I mean, probably not sustainable, but, um, you know, probably not what you want to see. You probably want to see a little, a little more from, you know, the Crusoes, Kuzmas, KCPs of the world. But um, again, I mean, Drummond and Schroeder did did enough to to give LeBron and AD the support they needed. Why do you think Kuzma's been so quiet? I mean, because he played this same role last year in the bubble and did it well, and really for a lot of the season did it well. And like I remember in the bubble being like, you know, man, he hasn't hit he. I don't don't think he had twenty points all playoffs, and that was going into the playoffs. I kind of thought he was going to be one of those like just random spurt scores where it's like four points, five points, oh, 27 points in a game, you know, right. back to five. No, he was like pretty steady, um, you know, in the eight to 12 range while playing good kind of versatile defense. He's gone completely silent in the series. What, like, why do you think that is? He's one for six in two games. Uh, and, you know, I, I was, I want to check his minutes because I feel like his minutes have been way down and they're down. I mean, he's under 20. He's you know, right around 19 minutes um, in each of the first two games. So that's down a little bit. But I mean, there's really no reason for him not to be getting more shots up in this matchup that I that I that I can figure. I don't feel like there's any reason that you know he shouldn't be getting open looks on the wing, and and attacking. And you know, I just feel like I just feel like he's sort of. I mean, you could t- you could have told me he played 12 minutes last night. And I would have believed you. He just has not been impactful on the floor. And maybe his def- he's been you know he hasn't he hasn't done anything noticeably bad on defense either. So maybe that's you know speaks well of of, of what he's done on that end. But I really. Feel like Kyle Kuzma, you could tell me that he was, you know, accidentally in Scottsdale the entire time, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Well, like it, just a complete, <laughs> completely unmemorable um, first two games for him. Yeah, I, I thought he uh, he was solid defensively. On they put him on Booker a little bit last night, um, and I thought the yeah, I remember like, that. I remember he, I remember him getting like, isolated like, on Booker a couple times. Like, yeah, like bothered him. Um, I, I, I I'm not sure. Uh, I will say I've been surprised at how small of a role he's played. He's only played 39 minutes through the two games. And I would have expected that total to be closer to like 50, 55. Uh, you know, he, he has essentially been their their sixth man this season. I mean, he's been the, the leading bench guy 
and then the the token starter when uh, AD or LeBron are, are out. So I, I thought you know for, for him to be seventh on the team in, in field goal attempts and looking at it seventh in, in minutes, like I guess the the, the minutes m- makes more sense there. But th- I mean they've just been going so much LeBron and AD that I feel like it's kind of marginalized him in the offense and. He has played a lot of his minutes with those 80 bench units where it just all is 80 posting up and like there's no movement. Uh, they they got to figure that out, uh, which I, I think is, is partially why he, he has a, a negative plus minus because um, some of those units have been pretty bad. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's weird. I don't feel like he's been passing up shots. Like that's one thing you can rely on from Kuz is he's not going to pass up shots if he's open. Um, but yeah, it's probably... The pendulum's probably swung a little bit too much in the not shooting, not finding ways to, to get going. Uh, but but also he's going up against like Jay Crowder, you know, Mikhail Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson. Like those guys have been playing some really good defense as well. So uh, I think you also probably have to give Phoenix some credit there too. Yeah, and um, Vogel's just not going small much, right? Yeah, I right. mean, that's that's his benefit to the Lakers is the fact that he he fits really well in a in a small front court of of him LeBron and Davis and they're just not going to it. I mean, there's matchups. If they play Portland uh, in the next round, which would probably be the most likely opponent at this point, I would say, he, I think he'd have a significantly bigger role in that series. Um, Bill, you went to Phoenix. I did. Tell us about a lot it. of a lot of people without face coverings on. You know, just gonna a quick point on this. Because somebody was in my mentions on Twitter saying, wasn't that the point of the vaccine? And I just don't know that we're there yet as a society where I feel like we should be just random letting 16,000 random people into a building without any proof of vaccination or um, or a negative COVID test. Like that's what they're doing in Phoenix. Just come to buy a ticket, come to the game. Like it's like party like it's 2019. And it's it's an awesome atmosphere. But I just don't see how that is a productive public health uh, solution, but um, the arena was absolutely popping. Um, great response, you know, tons of beat LA chants. Um, you know, probably one of the more rousing moments I can remember in my career, and I'm probably a prisoner of the moment here, was when Chris Paul came back out onto the floor because when he left, towel over his head in game one, I think we all thought he was done. Like, you know, you know separated shoulder, probably ripped up, done for the season, probably, or at least for this series, and. For him to come back out on the floor, get in the huddle, and be back on the floor within minutes was pretty darn cool. And that was when they only had 11,000 people in the arena. So atmosphere-wise was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, just I hadn't been, you know, in a gym with with that kind of, you know, crowd since May – or excuse me, March 10th of, of 2020. And so to kind of get back into that, it felt it felt really normal. And I think, you know, that was – that part was cool. So despite my – uh, grumpiness about the state of Arizona's, uh, uh, you know, current uh, COVID response. I thought I, I thought the it was a, it was a pretty neat experience to see kind of everything kind of opening back up, and also you know um, the way the Lakers responded to it. I mean, the way they talked about it. I mean, they they clearly enjoyed some of the interplay with the fans. You saw LeBron engaging toward the end after that big three. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think it's kind of made the basketball a little more normal too. What is Staples Center going to look like Sunday or I should Thursday and Sunday? I mean, are they breaking it open a little bit? They haven't said how many more people they're going to let in, but I do think it's going to kind of keep going up somewhat. Um, and Slater, I mean, that, that game against the Warriors, that play in game was, was 
you know, 6,000 people, I think. And that was, you know, a real, you know, most they had their vaccinated sections right behind the benches. So that's what you saw on TV. Um, you know, I thought I thought that that crowd was pretty impressive for what it was. So I don't think you're going to see the Lakers getting back to full capacity anytime soon. But I do think, or at least not before, you know, things really open up in a bigger way. But I do think, you know, it's going to be a, you know, a pretty, a pretty rocking atmosphere. And I, I'm curious to see what they do numbers wise, because, um, you know, if they can get a couple more thousand in there, it's just going to enhance the experience. So wait, were, were fans not required to wear masks to enter? It's or, such bullshit. Or you guys they just pull listen, it down. No, this is bullshit. They, so there's signs. Oh, if you have if masks required unless you're actively eating or drinking, but there's nobody there enforcing it. You know, they, they, they put it up on the video board once or twice. You know, nobody like at Staples Center, you've got and again, fewer people to enforce. And I don't know how the ushers could do this for 16,000 people, frankly. But you've got, you know, people at Staples Center with signs that say, please, you know, pr- practice proper mask wearing. And you can't eat or drink in the bowl at Staples Center, by the way. But, you know. People got beers. There was a guy with selling churros. I mean, it was like, you know, the churro thing with just a little piece of paper and the guy walks around and sells it and you know, he's touching dirty cash and the churro. We're back, baby. And that was, and that was okay. <laughs> like, that's what's happening in Phoenix. And that's how normal things are. I mean, the, the police officers slash security guards, I don't know if they're real cops or if they're, you know, rent a cops, but on the concourse in the Phoenix Suns Arena, which is the name of the arena these days, weren't wearing masks. And it's just, I know I'm coming at this from a California perspective. I know things are more open in other places than they are in California. I know California is going to be a lot more open uh, after June 15th. But the fact that you're letting 16,000 people into an arena when they don't have to produce a negative test or a vaccination card just completely defeats the purpose, in my mind, of what we've all been through over the last 14 months. Yeah, you got you got that vaccination card, Bill. So, but I'll tell you what, I was sending my I was sending my buddies uh, the t- a text today uh, of that Marsh Marshawn Lynch play. Remember when he's stiff arming everybody on the touchdown for the Seahawks? I was like, this is my vac- vaccine at work in the Phoenix Suns arena, <laughs> just holding off those COVID those COVID cells coming for me. So. Um, hopefully, uh, I do trust science, but um, I'm putting a lot of faith in science because it's it, it got it swarmed <laughs> last night. From a pure viewership standpoint, I have enjoyed the first four days. I mean, how about that MSG no crowd? How about that MSG yep. crowd? And uh, you know, it's it's just it's cool to to see normal life reopening. Yes, some places are a little bit more full throttle than others, uh, but I am curious to see. The Staples Center. And listen, I'm not an epidemiologist. What do I know? Maybe, maybe, maybe this the great state of Arizona isn't is 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 really onto something here. And you know, I mean, (laughs) Arizona's taken a battering over the last few months. Like it hasn't been a great a great year for PR in the in in the state of Arizona. But uh, you know, we'll see. I I would not be surprised if um, there was a significant spike related to Phoenix Suns games. But what do I know? Again, not an epidemiologist. Um, trust science, not basketball podcasters. All right, last thing before we get out of here. Do you I mean, I, I know you guys obviously both think the Lakers are gonna win this series. I do think Sunday's the swing game. I could see Paul sitting Thursday. We'll see. Maybe he'll try to play through it. But I mean, my if they think a complete day off for Chris Paul would get him fully right for Sunday, I think it's the wisest move. But uh what are you guys looking for Thursday, game three? Uh consistency from uh, Anthony Davis. I mean, I still think he's the most important player in the series for the Lakers. 
And if he can, you know, continue to get to the line, I think assert himself more uh, on the inside. I mean, the, uh, the jumper was falling, but really most of his work was done uh, from the, you know, from the foul line. He missed a lot of shots. I think he got a lot of really favorable calls. I thought they were, I thought they were pretty quick with the whistle last night too. So I think, you know, he still the numbers were really good, but I still think he has a ways to go to truly establish himself as Anthony Davis. So I want to see, you know, I want to see him either match or exceed what he did in game two uh for for me it's it's gonna be the crowd you know it's it's the first lakers playoff game since 2013 or at staples center at least um so i I think you know i I don't think they're gonna be taking off their masks and eating churros in the stands but uh i do think it's gonna be a a very crazy crowd and and sort of you know we we saw with, with the warriors game and, and that was also you had a bunch of Warriors fans there so it kind of was, was like a back and forth at times where they were chanting MVP with stuff at the free throw line um, so I, I don't think it's going to be the same number of Phoenix fans but I think it, it's going to be a fun crowd and, and then the other thing is just the rotation and and seeing um, you know Frank is gone he's basically played everybody but Ben Macklemore at this point so I, I think it's just who are the eight guys he trusts we don't know that yet and, and I'm, I'm excited to see that over the next couple of days Sweet. Thank you guys for uh, for your time today. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Forum Club. <laughs>